This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, Burnley travelled to West Ham, aiming to improve on back-to-back defeats. Well, at least we scored. This is the No Name Never podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's No Name Never podcast. Do not adjust your sets. This is not Natalie Bromley with a bad head cold. This is the usually unheard voice of producer Matt. Off the subs bench, into the first team, and try not to stretch this footballing analogy too far. That said, joining me this evening are first team regulars Robbie Kopak and Dave Roberts, here once again to analyse another defeat for Burnley in the Premier League. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. So, without further ado, let's dive straight into the West Ham game and look at the goals and the key incidents from the match. Dave the first West Ham goal was an uncharacteristic defensive error from James Tarkovsky. But how much do you think that recent performances and results were maybe affecting the team's confidence and particularly the defence's confidence and maybe contributed to that error? Yeah, it was a, a nightmare goal, wasn't it? So early in the game as well. I think one of the things um, uh, after the last two games and conceding the, the goals we had, Burnley would have wanted to keep it tight in the first half and having conceded that goal really, really early on in the game and under the circumstances as well didn't really uh, uh, didn't really help. And it was it was uncharacteristic. We don't usually um don't usually see that. It was a, a you know misjudged back pass, nowhere near. And it gave Joe Hart no chance when uh, Anartovic was through on uh, on goal. So it was an uphill battle from there. But you know, Burnley did dig in. One of those again where uh, first half things were against us. You know, the West Ham had the upper hand, but as it turned out, Burnley you know pulled it around a little bit and and went in at half time with a. In, in terms of the game, it was didn't reflect the game perhaps, but it, it gave Burnley a fighting chance in the second half. Yeah, Robbie, what did you think? Did you think that to go in at one one was a, a deserved half time score for Burnley? No, not at all. It should have been two or three. West Ham really should have been out of sight. I thought we were really, really sloppy in the first half. We couldn't really keep hold of the ball for a good amount of time to try and just 
kill the momentum which West Ham clearly had. But saying that, it doesn't help when you concede such a sloppy first goal. But like like you touched on, we did show a bit of character to come back uh, and to to go in level, I think, was a huge bonus for us. It's just a shame we didn't really take advantage of that and uh, use that momentum into the second half, really. Yeah, you, you say we were sloppy. Do, do you think we saw an improved Ben Mee this week in the first half? Or do you think his, his flying-headed clearance and his, his well-timed challenge in the area was just papering over the cracks that seemed to reappear again in the second half? I thought there were signs of the Ben Mee we know and love. Like you said, that clearance off the line is typical Ben Mee, sort of putting his body on the line. I, I don't really know what the answer is to try and shore up that back four. I don't really agree with the chopping and changing of it because I do I do think it's a vital area of the pitch where you do need continuity. And if there are signs that Ben Mee is coming back to life, then that's great. Tarkovsky has been probably the better of our back four this season and he was really poor. So it's it's weird that they kind of swap roles this week. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not uh, completely up to date with Tarkovsky's situation, but should he have to miss this Saturday, um, obviously we expect we'd expect Kevin Long to come in and play alongside Ben Mee. Do we think that would have a, a, a an improvement, a positive impact, or or do we think that could lead to even an even worse situation at the back for us? Well, Kevin Long's always been fairly consistent every time he comes in. I think he always gives you a, a, a certain level. I don't think he's he'll ever be, become like a top centre-back for us, but he's never really let us down. And you could say if he does come in, it's always his spot to lose since the centre-backs haven't really hit top form yet. So, yeah, that's true. You know, we, we could see him in there for a good few games, particularly with Gibson, you know, um, Having a setback, he's had that surgery now, as we as he posted on uh, on social media, and it's just a case of him becoming dash fit again. Um, just going back to the match and, and, and hitting a more positive note, Burnley's equaliser was a lovely, crafty goal. I thought the the header from Vidra and then the touch from Westwood and and the finish from JBG. Robbie, just talk us through that again, and just let, let let's all enjoy a positive moment this week. Yeah, the only time we really strung two or three passes together in the first half really wasn't it. But I think actually Westwood's probably our best passer of the football in the whole squad. And his through ball into Goodmanson is inch perfect. And when you saw Goodmanson going through, you always felt that he was going to tuck it away because it's kind of typical football for you to be on the back foot and just to sell our way to an equaliser, which we're which we certainly enjoyed. Yeah, it was good, and, and we got level, and we went in at half-time level. The only other major talking point, Dave, from that first half uh, was DeFore's challenge on uh, Diangana in, in the area. Do you think the referee got that one right? DeFore doesn't seem to get anything on the ball, but then Diangana does seem to exaggerate his, uh, his, his going down, should we say. I wouldn't necessarily want to call it a dive. Do you think the ref got that one right, Dave? Yeah, it, it was an odd one, wasn't it? Because obviously after the game, um, Sean Dyche came out and, and he said it was a, a, he thought it was a penalty and he thought that the player hadn't exaggerated. When I looked at it, I mean, maybe when he was speaking, then he hadn't seen all the angles. We've obviously had the um, benefit of seeing um, you know, re- replays from different angles. 
um, it did look like there was a little bit of exaggeration. I wouldn't, you know, it wasn't a dive, it wasn't sort of Delhi Alley levels, but there was sort of maybe a little bit of exaggeration in there. Maybe the, you know, the referee, let's be fair, gets one view of it, and he took the view that it wasn't a penalty. I think we were fortunate. I think you know it, it was a penalty, and we uh, we escaped one there. It was um, a, a relief not to. I mean, we, we had enough times when we you know we should have had penalties and haven't done. Looking back on last season in particular, this was one where you know we probably should have seen a penalty against us um, and didn't. So we were, you know we were relieved uh, in this instance and not to not to suffer this time. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen so many of those given against us, uh, some that should and some that shouldn't. So I think we did get away with that one. So coming out in the second half, Dave, I'll stick with you to just talk about uh, West Ham's second goal. Do you think that Tarkovsky should shoulder a good portion of the blame for this goal? He seems to come flying out at a point when when Lowton was still up the pitch and, and we had such a dangerous Anderson working that side. Do you think Tarkovsky was was wrong to do that? Do you think he was still affected from his early mistake? Um, and do you think if he'd held back and just tried to hold up the play a bit, do you think we might have got out of that situation if Lowton had got back? Uh, it did look a little bit rash. Um, yeah, it was one of those where you know the fact that he was in the position he was um, and and didn't you know take all the ball um, and West Ham played the ball forward, it left us exposed. So you know, different to the the, the first goal, but. You know, it did leave us exposed the back again, and, and West Ham uh, took advantage. It's, it's just you know quite uncharacteristic, really, because we've seen, particularly last season, the, the back four being so resolute. And you you, you, know, you have to look at the stats in terms of the goals conceded. Uh, we've conceded twenty five goals in the Premier League already this season. I think you've got to go sometime into uh, February of last season to to find the point where we've conceded twenty five goals. So something's not quite right. Something needs to change. You know, I'm sure they'll be working on it in in training during the week. Um, but it remains to be seen. You know how the personnel changes will will pan out. Whether, as we've discussed already, whether Kevin Long's the one to uh, to get the nod. What's interesting as well is we've got Jimmy Dunn out at uh, Hearts. Obviously, very young player, uh, but playing at a decent level this season in the um, in the SPL. He's just got his first uh, call up as well. Congratulations to uh, to him getting a call up for uh, Republic of Ireland. And I think Hearts are keen to uh, extend the loan. And you wonder whether that will be something that's on Burnley's mind to, you know, not look, looking ahead. I think I'm not sure what when his loan's contracted to. It's it's going to be round about Christmas time. I would have thought. Um, be interesting to see what happens for the second half of the season with him. Yeah, it is. He he has done very well this season. Really showed a, a few little flashes of it in pre-season before he went off to Hearts. Do you think, uh, Robbie, that, that Sean Dyche would consider keeping him at Burnley for the second half of the season? Let's say, for example, you know, niggling injuries for, for Tarkovsky and, and, and Gibson just rumble on. Do you think he would keep him back or do you think Dyche is the kind of person who would want him to carry on and get that full season of, of experience of first-team football at a reasonably high level? Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, my gut instinct does say that he will remain at Hearts for the end, till the end of the season. I, I think it would take a, a more of a, a long-term injury to one of our back fours for Jimmy to come back. Because we have got decent depth there anyway because Kevin Long's usually pretty fit. I think... Gibson's he was on his way back wasn't he until another bit of surgery but hopefully that's the last of that once he's back fully back fit because then it's four centre-backs then if they're all fit Jimmy Dunn's just going to be sat there 
just rotting in the under 23s just playing not really playing at a competitive level which isn't going to help his development really yeah I think you're right I think Dash will leave him out on loan as long as Hearts want him and, and from what I've, I've seen uh, of what he's been doing this season I think that they probably will want to keep him for the rest of the season they, they seem to be on a good run themselves this season just staying with you Robbie and going back to the match after West Ham retook the lead Dash seemed to react quite quickly for once with his substitutions he made a a double substitution up front. Do you think that uh, that both strikers needed replacing at that point, or do you think he could have maybe kept one of those changes back for, for later in the game? And then, obviously, a couple of minutes later, he he brought Brady on for Lennon, and Brady and Wood had had an immediate impact for getting Burnley level again. So, do, do you think Dyche was right to make all three changes in pretty much one go, or do you think he he maybe went too far the other way for once? I don't know. I think Chris Wood had an impact when he came off the bench at London Stadium last season. I think he came on to partner Ashley Barnes and scored two goals. And he he done that again pretty much. He made an instant impact. I think that's four goals now in three against them, uh, which is a really good return. I just think we're a better side when we have two strikers now. I think Robbie Brady obviously provides balls into the box. He's, his set-piece deliveries are are important, especially when we're not playing particularly well. And I think that showed in the second half where we weren't quite at it, but we still had a bit of a threat from wide areas. Aaron Lennon still doesn't seem quite at it. And Brady just gives you that something a little bit different. Yeah, he's definitely a different class. And obviously he's been recalled by Ireland now that he's fit as well for their upcoming matches. Just moving on to West Ham's third goal then, Dave. Again, it came from Anderson on the right. He was a threat for the whole game. It really showed his quality. And when I look back at the goal today, I I wondered whether Lowton and Tarkovsky just put themselves a little too central. They seemed almost guilty of ball-watching. They were focused very much on Arnautovic. And this danger of Anderson just was left unmarked on on that side of the box. Do you think they both got things wrong for that goal? Do you think Lowton should have been focused a little bit more on that threat that had been so obvious throughout the game? Um, it's difficult, isn't it? I think he, he was a handful um, all game, uh, was uh, Anderson for West Ham. They've obviously paid, I'm not sure the exact amount, There's, you know, reports have differed as to what they actually paid for him, but it's sort of uh, you know, north of sort of 35, 40 million that they paid for him. And he hadn't really done all that much, I don't think, up until now. But he showed what it was capable of at the London Stadium on, on Saturday against Burnley. He could have had another couple of goals. He had... Uh, one didn't he that uh, just shaved the uh, the post that could have quite easily gone in as well. Another couple of opportunities he could have easily had another couple of goals on top of the ones he scored. So he was a real real handful for us. Not helped by um, you know the a little bit of lack of structure in our team. I think the you know the the fourth goal was one where you know it, it had gone to three two. Burnley very nearly got back and got another equaliser. We had where Chris Woodhead who just couldn't quite keep it down. You know, it could have been one of those where Burnley, not saying it would have been deserved, I don't think, but Burnley could possibly have got a point out of the game, which you know, everyone would have been delighted with. As it happened, it's um, you know another four goals and you know, combined with the previous two games, 13 in, in three matches in the Premier League, it's um, unheard of for Burnley. It's not something we've... We've seen it all under under Sean Dyche. We've had the, the odd one, haven't we? We've had um, you know um, we had the Arsenal one last season a couple of times. West Brom have put four pastors at uh, at the Hawthorns, 
we've not really seen a spell of uh, of three matches where you know the, the opposition seemed to be scoring for fun. Yeah, it is very worrying. Nobody would have predicted this coming in into uh, into the start of the season. Hart looked like a very frustrated figure, uh, particularly after the third and fourth goals on Saturday. He's doing amazing stopping some of those shots. He probably, you know, we we could have been looking at a, a six or seven on Saturday if it hadn't been for him. Do you think picking the ball out of his net thirteen times in the last three games will be undoing some of the hard work that that him and and the rest of the goalkeeping team and coaches have been doing with him since he arrived at Burnley, Dave? Do you think we're in danger of kind of we've built him up, we've rebuilt him from from the past couple of seasons where he's been low on confidence and been shipped out of his home club? And and now all of a sudden he's having a, quite a rough time at it. Do you worry for Joe Hart? It certainly doesn't help his uh, his confidence. It wouldn't have helped actually. Um, you know, two of those matches, the the Manchester City one, and uh, again at West Ham, being against two of his uh, former teams as well. That's uh, you know you can tell the uh, you know the the anguish um, every time a goal goes in. You know, bearing in mind that he has you know made some really really good saves and and, and kept us in games at times. We have to remember. I think it, it's worth putting things into perspective. We've not had. Uh, the last three games, we've not played well by any means, but at half time in all three of the games, we've not been out of it. It's been one of those where you know against the two you know you know top dog superpowers, whatever you want to call them, uh, Manchester City and uh, and Chelsea, we've still been in the game. Second half, you know, went from us in uh, in both those games, and West Ham again, you know, level at half time and had opportunities. You know, to get back into the game in the uh, in the second half until until later on. But you know, going back to Joe Hart, it certainly won't help. You know, the, the flip side of the coin is if, if if the question is, you know, do you give him a, a rest? Does that you know set him back even further? I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is to uh, to that. Obviously, Sean Dyche has got that uh, that decision to make for this week. I personally can't see Dyche dropping Hart, considering the amount of shot stopping that he's doing for him. I think I think Dyche will see that the problem lies more in front of Hart than, than with Hart himself. We're hoping that Nick Pope will be fit again come December time, Christmas time. Robbie, do you think that Nick Pope is going to walk back into this team or do you think that, that Daesh is going to stick with Hart as as long as Hart's form that he's shown, which you know has split opinion in the uh, certainly on Twitter, um, but you can't deny that he's pulling off some decent saves. Do you think Nick Pope will walk back in? I mean, he seemed to walk back in at the start of summer with very little break after his World Cup exploits, which for me was a sign from Daesh that, that he was his number one, certainly for the for the Europa League campaign. What's your thoughts? Do you think Daesh will bring Nick Pope straight back in or do you think he'll just keep going with Joe Hart? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one to call right now because there is still a little bit of time, uh, albeit only be a month until... Nick Pope is deemed fully fit. <sighs> to, to me, I think he'll stick with Joe Hart just because I think Sean Dyche does like a bit of continuity again in that area, like I mentioned before. I don't think it's an area where you can be chopping and changing on a, on a regular basis. I think if you bring Nick Pope straight back in, I think it just adds more more questions and a bit more insecurity about our back line, to be honest. Yeah, we we know Dice likes likes a settled team and with very little change. Um, just overall, then looking back at the West Ham match, I'll come to each of you in turn on this. 
I'll start with you, Dave. Do you think that overall that was a better performance from Burnley, or do you think that that the two goals maybe just put a, a gloss on something that that hadn't really moved on from from the games against, albeit top sixteens, but but what were undeniably poor performances from the Burnley team? And there were certainly some glimpses of it. Burnley showed a little bit more going forward than they had. You know, we didn't get that many opportunities, and teams don't get as many opportunities against the likes of Manchester City and uh, and Chelsea. But certainly against West Ham, we showed a little bit more going forward. Um, we showed that we've got you know, options from the bench as well. You know, two players, uh, Robbie Brady and Chris Wood, combined uh, for Burnley's second equalising goal. So that's you know, a, a positive to to take out of the game. The negative is, you know, the fact that we are shipping goals at, at the back, so it, we need, you know, it needs to be a, a back to basics, um, and make sure that we can uh, we can shore that up because, you know, if you continue shipping goals at, at that rate, then you're going to be in trouble. I'm not saying that we are because, you know, we're not stranded at the bottom of the uh, the table. It's not like, um, you know, we had uh, ten matches at the start of the 2014-15 season. Um, after we got promoted, we didn't win any of those games. We've, you know, we had that uh, decent run. We had um, seven points out of nine um, in three games before the uh, international break. So that's given us a little bit of breathing space. And the fact that the division as well seems to be quite polarised this season. You look at three teams at the top, all remaining unbeaten after 11 games is is pretty much um, unheard of. So there seems to be a lot bigger gulf between the top and the bottom this season. Uh, so it looks like uh, I reckon the the points total teams will need to survive the Premier League will be lower. So in that bottom half, it's going to be tougher, but it's going to be the case that, well, you, you look at the teams around there. I mean, Huddersfield did finally get a win and, and um, uh, Newcastle have won as well. But when you look over the first 11 games, I think there's you know at least four or five, six teams down there who... Burnley would would fancy finishing above. I mean, Southampton really struggling as well this season. But that said, Burnley need to beat the teams around them. So the the key is going to be when we're playing those teams is to get the points on the board. And if we ship in three four goals against them, it's going to be very difficult to uh, to win those games or even get any um, get any points out of them. Yeah. So I mean, talking about beating the teams around us, the next two games for Burnley are obviously away at Leicester this Saturday, and then after the international break, we've got a a Monday night home game under the Turf Moor floodlights against Newcastle, you'd be targeting three or four points from those two games. And then looking even further ahead just at the moment into uh, into December, you've got away games at, at Palace and uh, and at Spurs and home games against Liverpool and, and Brighton. So it, it's not a very optimistic outlook in terms of looking at the games and thinking, well, how many wins can we pick up from there? We're going to get to the new year, I feel, really, before we're kind of looking at fixtures from the bottom half, really, of the league. Robbie, are you are you concerned that we're going to still find ourselves down in this 15th, 16th place um, in the new year and, and feel like we're halfway through the season and, and haven't made any real progress forward? I mean, how how did you think that, that the performance on Saturday compared? Do you think there was any signs of an improvement? I know you've already mentioned you thought it was quite sloppy at times. Are you concerned still, or do you think that there is a light at the end of the tunnel? I didn't feel as aggrieved after the West Ham game because we did show a little bit of fight and a little bit of a bit of character to come back twice. And even when we went three-two down, we nearly pulled it level again with Chris Wood hitting the bar. So there was 
a bit of positivity coming out of it because after Chelsea and City, it was a bit doom and gloom uh, because we didn't really... I think it was one shot on, on target in those two games. So, yeah, coming out of West Ham, we did show a little bit of fight going forward. And just just on that guy, still sticking with the game, I thought there were just more positives in general in terms of... We talked about Ben Mee looking a bit more like himself. I thought Charlie Taylor was very good. Uh, Brady and Wood obviously made an impact. So you you kind of accumulate all those together, and it does leave a bit of positive thinking going into the into the next game. But like you said, we, there isn't really like a run of games which you look at in our on our next five where you just think if we can just win two or three, it might just change our season around. But I'm, I don't expect us to get anything at Leicester. I think that's the worst possible game to have right now after their circumstances. Uh, and then obviously we've got Newcastle under the, under the lights, which is a must win, I think, for both sides. Uh, Newcastle got their first win at the weekend, I think, the week before. So their tails will be up. And that could be a really good atmosphere if both teams go for it. And then, yeah, we've got Liverpool coming up just before Christmas, which on their current form isn't really ideal. You talk about Charlie Taylor there showing signs of improvement. Um, and there were, I, I saw that as well against West Ham. He, he made at least one good surging run forward and put a decent ball into the box, as did Matt Lowton on at least one occasion. We've talked a lot in the last few weeks about the, about Tarkovsky and me and, and about their performances, really. And, and a lot of the focus on a bad defence sometimes does land on the central defenders. Do How are you feeling, Robbie, about the full-backs? Do you think that they've had an equally poor run or or do you feel that they're, they're maybe just kind of falling into the into the bracket with, with Tarkovsky and me? And do you think that they've actually been all right for us? I, th- I thought Taylor was really... I, I don't like to criticise players, but I didn't think he was at the, the standard we need early starts at the early period of the season, but... I think in the last two or three weeks, we are starting to see a, a more ambitious Charlie, Charlie Taylor, which is having a bit of an impact on a game. Matt Lawton, I thought, was always okay and consistent. I thought he was really poor on Saturday. Again, a bit like a, what I mentioned with Ben Mee and Tarkovsky. It's weird how the fullbacks have appeared to swap roles a little bit, how one's poor and then the other one improves. Uh, it's just getting that, that bit of consist- consistency in the back line again. Because I think there's usually the foundations are there when we're not playing particularly well to stay quite resolute. And I just think we're just so short of confidence at the moment where defensively we're just making silly mistakes where, where you mentioned Tarkovsky coming, coming out and making a rash challenge which leaves us exposed. And yeah, I think on that goal, I think Ben Mee's too deep. And we just need to go back to basics in the back four. Just a final point on the defence. Uh, Matt Lowton, I think, picked up his fourth yellow card at the weekend. Um, and I think it's still the same. The rule of five yellow cards is a one-match suspension. So we're not too far away from seeing Phil Bardsley brought back into the team again. Dave, if that should happen, what kind of impact would you think that would have on the team, having an enforced change to that back four? Um, it's not something we've seen too much. I think we um, we escaped suspensions pretty much last season. I think it's it's a little bit unfair on teams that tend to keep the same team as opposed to um, rotating the squad because you know the the limits of, of five yellow cards is 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 the same regardless. So it sort of I think it sort of disadvantages teams like Burnley from from that respect. If we're unlucky enough to uh, pick up a suspension, if if a player gets to 
five yellow cards. You know, if, if Matt Lowton's on four already, there's every likelihood that's going to happen. But, you know, we do have the team set up and the squad set up. Players know their roles and positions. And I, I thought Phil Barsley showed glimpses in, in, in places um, in some of the European games he was playing in early in the season. And we know he's you know a, a solid Premier League player. He's been around for uh, forever and a day. I guess it's good to have someone with experience to uh, to come in, um, and he's well drilled and knows the system. So from that point of view, um, I wouldn't be too too concerned. I might be more. I think if we had, well, yeah, maybe maybe the Liverpool and Tottenham games are ones that you uh, you look at and think, well, maybe we're going to be exposed. You know, whoever's playing is going to be exposed in in those games. But I think you know Sean Dyche's got his squad and his team set up. Players know the roles, and I think that we try now to make it as seamless as possible with any players coming, whether that's um, due to an injury or or due to a suspension. Just then, looking forward to this Saturday and 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 sticking with uh, team selection and, and what we expect Dyche to do and what we hope Dyche will do, which are quite often two separate things. Do we think that that Westwood and and Vidra will keep their places this weekend? I think both of them had good enough games against West Ham to warrant keeping their places. And do we think that um, that Sean Dyche will uh, maybe have another look at, at at his strikers and see Chris Wood getting on the score sheet and maybe think about resting Sam Vokes or just changing things up and putting Wood in with Vidra and seeing what that combination produces? Robbie, what are your uh, your hopes and feelings for for the lineup this Saturday in those areas. Uh, I hope we go four four two. I hope we essentially start the game how we ended it on Saturday and have Barnes and Wood up front. Um, I always think that's our strongest partnership. That was a partnership that ended last season when we come off the back of eleven winless games. It was Wood and Barnes that changed it against Everton, and then as I previously mentioned, they changed it against West Ham the week after. And then, like say, you got Robbie Brady in there, who could just pin crosses in, and just having two kind of target men strikers will, I just think, cause problems for Leicester, who, who are quite solid usually. So it might be worth trying to um, rough them up a little bit with having two like more aggressive strikers up there. Yeah, I think that's a a, a decent shout. It's obviously going to be a very uh, a very emotional day uh, at the King Power Stadium on Saturday, with it being their first home game since the accident. Dave, how much do you think that's going to affect both teams? Obviously, the Leicester team have uh, been out to Thailand and back this week for the funeral of the chairman, but we did see how focused they were at Cardiff last weekend. Are we onto a loser before we start here? Are they going to be too focused and too determined to get that win for that home crowd? Um, it's difficult to know how it's going to go. It's obviously very, um, uh, very difficult circumstances for uh, Leicester players and also the uh, the, the fans um, down there. But I think once the once the whistle goes, they'll be uh, you know they'll be right behind the team. I think that that will you know the, the circumstances perhaps will will create a. Uh, you know, a real cauldron of of atmosphere. I mean, it, it's a ground that's capable of um, of doing that with a sort of um, bold design as well. And I think you know, Burnley just need to keep it tight early on. We can't afford to have um, you know conceding sloppy goals in the first ten minutes. We need to be on our our A game from the start. And I think that if Burnley can can do that, settle into the game and show glimpses that we did um, going forward against West Ham combining that with um, a bit more rigidity at the back, then we've got every chance of getting something out of the game. I'm, I'm not, not taking, you know, Rob is thinking 
uh, is that you know um, Burnley going to lose on on Saturday? I, I don't think so. I think I think Burnley are uh, um, every chance again at least a point and maybe even nicking it. So looking forward, Dave. Can you give us your weekly statistical review of Burnley's record at Leicester? Uh, yeah, look back at the um, the previous games. We, we've not got a bad record actually against um, against Leicester at, at their ground compared to certainly some of the other teams um, we've looked at earlier this season. Um, we've had 55 previous matches um, against Leicester. That's obviously at the old Filbert Street ground and then also at the uh, King Power Stadium or Walker Stadium as it was when it opened in 2002. So yeah, 15 wins out of 55 is a, a pretty decent return for uh, for an away ground. Within that, there's some um, you know, ebbs and flows. We haven't won any of the last seven games. We've lost four and drawn three. We had a really good run. We we were actually, um, in 2002, uh, the first team to win a competitive match at the Walker Stadium. That opened in, um, I think they played a friendly in the summer of uh, 2002, but it was open for the start of the 2002-2003 season. Um, and remarkably, Burnley went five matches and didn't concede. We had four uh, 1-0 wins and a 0-0 draw in there. That first game uh, we're talking about, the that was in October 2002. Uh, Stan Turner was the manager. Um, Ian Moore scored the goal. Burnley won that one, 1-0. Uh, um, and then the games after that, we had a 0-0 draw um, with Steve Cottrell in charge. Another couple of Steve Cottrell matches. Um, we had 1-0 wins um, in October 2005. Adiakin Bay scored the goal. And then uh, Andy Gray scored the goal in August uh, 2006. Um, and then um, we had one match as well. Uh, Steve Davis um, was caretaker manager in uh, November 2007. We're coming up to the uh, the anniversary of that. I think it was is the anniversary today of uh, of um, Steve Cottrell's last game in charge. Burnley were defeated at Turf Moor against Hull City. Uh, on this day uh, back in 2007 and Steve Davis was given the job for one match um, while Burnley looked to find a replacement manager and we managed to win that one 1-0 as well but that was the last time Burnley have won um, at Leicester we've had seven matches as I say since then um, and we've lost uh, the last two seasons we had a a 3-0 defeat in September 2016 and then we lost um, 1-0 there last season in December, that's coming up to almost a year ago uh, then. That was the match, of course, that um, Robbie Brady got injured in the challenge with Harry Maguire. But I'm reading this week that I um, don't think that Harry Maguire is going to be uh, fit to play on Saturday. So that will be, uh, be a good thing from uh, from Burnley's perspective. But yeah, not not a bad record overall um, in there. We've also actually got a, a victory in a, a, a bizarre game um, back in 1974. Um, Burnley were defeated in the um, FA Cup semi-final by Newcastle. Um, it was the last year the third and fourth place playoff um, took place for the FA Cup and Burnley uh, won that match 1-0. Ray Hankin scored um, and Burnley were uh, third place, the last team to be uh, third place in the FA Cup because we haven't had a third and fourth place playoff since. So that's a little bit of a, um, a stat for you there. Thank you for that, Dave. So, gentlemen... You've hinted at which way you think it will go on Saturday. Can I ask you to put a score on it? Dave, you first. Um, I'm hoping for a tighter game. I'm hoping for a better performance defensively. 
Um, I think a clean sheet might be a little bit too optimistic, so I'm going to go for 1-1, um, but hope we might grab a win. And Robbie, how do you think it will finish? Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game for us. I think, obviously, Leicester are going to be... Uh, it's a bit of an emotional game for them, so they're going to be up for it, I think. Uh, so I'm just going to go for a 2-1 defeat. Uh, we can always rely on you, Robbie, to help us... Stay grounded. Well, I think that just about wraps things up here at No Name Never for this week. Natalie sends her apologies from a train somewhere between London and Lancashire. And we didn't want to keep you waiting for your weekly dose of friendly analysis. Next week, Natalie will be sunning herself on a beach far away. So I'll be here again to look back at the Leicester game and forward through yet another international break to the visit of Newcastle on Monday the 26th under the turf more floodlights and in front of the sky cameras. My thanks to Robbie and Dave for joining me this week on my debut, and a massive thanks, as always, to you, our listeners, for downloading and listening to the podcast. I've been Matt Moss. This has been the No Name Never podcast. Until next time. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.